Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. So, Jeremy, you had a really awesome experience uh, just last week. Yeah. Um, where you were called on. We're onto... talking about the COVID, right? Yes! <laughs> we're talking about COVID. Three years in, and I finally Isn't that get it. It's so fun. I finally get Laurel Hightower says I'm a badass, though. <laughs> she said she didn't realize when I was making comments on Twitter about getting the finishing <laughs> nail through my finger. <laughs> yeah, you, did, so, you, you punctured yourself with a nail. Like I impaled myself, like it went all the way through. <laughs> and I was like, the, it was healed like by the you next kept day. You sending me pictures of your fucking nail finger. I was like, please stop doing that. A two inch trim nail, like, went through my index <laughs> finger and by the next day you can't even see where it went in that's pretty rough. and laurel hightower's like you're a badass like level seven <laughs> and i'm like i also just got covid and was sick for like 24 hours and fine afterward and she's like that makes you a nine and i'm like thank you laurel thank you go ahead sorry i think i threw you off uh, yeah i mean i wasn't talking about the covid but we could talk about the covid no i'm talking about the panel that you hosted yes. at the university of arkansas yep. it was really awesome it was a panel of um various genre writers uh yep. talking about you know some of the ways that they kind of juggle being a writer in addition to doing other things and um you kind of focused on a little bit on uh, being a writer and running your own goddamn publishing house, yeah. which uh, is no, oh, no small task <laughs> this, at all. Oof, no, it's 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 a lot of work. It's like, I mean, uh, you know what I liked about that though. Uh huh. Um, most of the panels were there in person, but because I was still quarantining, I had to be on <laughs> right, Zoom. Right, right, right. And it was me and one other writer that was on Zoom, and he came on and answered like an early question, and then I answered. And then they yeah. left like my picture up, so it's like yeah. all these guys, all these writers down on the stage, <laughs> That's right. and then I'm like lording over them on this huge screen. <laughs> it's like, really, really impressive. For, like, the most, most of the inter- I think the guy came back on like towards the end of the interview. Yeah, yeah, session, to, to kind but, of talk about it. Yeah. But it was really cool, and and uh, you know, it's it's just a, it's kind of a. a a peek behind the scenes because you do yeah. wear a lot of hats. You know, you you edit books, you select books for publication, <laughs> um, you you uh, wrangle your editors to actually do shit that you need them to do. Um, you know, you work with uh, cover designers to package yeah. books. You do some social media stuff. You're in the podcast booth all the time, and you're uh, a husband and a dog owner and uh, a writer. And a I mean, writer. it's it, it's uh, you do all kinds of stuff, and it was really cool um, to see you showcased, you know, kind of in in your space. And I'm a guitar player, and I have a CD, <laughs> CD coming <laughs> yeah. out later this year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you heal abnormally fast. <laughs> I heal abnormally fast. <laughs> yeah, but and I'm um, a professor. And yeah, yeah, and you're a professor. <laughs> you know, you do you do all of these things. Um, yeah, it, I, it was really fun um, to see you up on the stage. But one Thank of you. the one of the attendees of your panel uh, yeah. raised a really interesting question that I immediately was like, t- like texting you. I was like, we gotta do this. We gotta have this conversation um, because I felt like it was a conversation that not only this kid wanted to ask, but probably a lot of other people have wanted to ask too. Yep. And the question that he posed was. When you are writing horror, how do you differentiate between horror, horror comedy, and horror parody? Right. 
And that's our topic of dis- discussion today on Slay House Presents. On Slay House Presents. Man, the we, name we has gotten really so much did, easier. It, it since did we... it, but we also didn't do any intro. We were like, hey, it's me, Jeremy. It's me, Trevor. This we'll is Slay House Presents. Music. We'll still have the music. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to leap into it. Yeah. If you don't know who we are now, uh, where have you been? We've been doing this for a year, man. Yeah, a whole year. A whole, like, um, like a little bit more than a year at this point. Yep. Yeah. We've been here. We've been around the We've block. We've been around. So you We've know been our around names. the sun. <laughs> we, you know our names. Right. And I can honestly say, I, I was trying to pride myself on this at one point. Not one of us now has been on every single episode. Like, I had been on that, every episode, yeah, that's, but then that's I had to really miss the one interview that Yeah, you did. no, that's right. That's so right, now yeah. not one of us has been on every single episode. It's interesting. <laughs> I feel like our roles are, are evolving as, as regards yeah. to the podcast. Next, we're going to just hire people in to be Trevor I think it's. I th- you know what? I think that's coming. I, th- I think we're going to hire two people that are not us at all, but they're going to pretend to be us. It's not even going to be... Hey there, I'm, I'm about... Jeremy. I'm, you know my voice. I've been here forever. No, I wasn't replaced. Somebody comes in with like a smoker's rasp. And I'm Trevor. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 sure, your audio levels. We haven't been replaced. We are still the same people we've always been. Today, we're going to talk about the Republican primary. (laughs) Door opens, you're fired. Um, so to get, yeah. getting to you know that getting to our topic, getting, yeah, getting to our, to- <laughs> our topic here, you know, um, I, I've, I'm not so interested in the conversation about you know how do you differentiate between horror and comedy, um, because I think they're very similar to one another. I, I was going to say feel, the question lends itself to, to presupposing that yeah, they have commonalities. I, I think they're they're very uh, marriageable, if yep. you will. And I've seen, I, you know, I've read stuff. I've, I've uh, you know, seen stuff that is definitely pure horror and, and uh, there's not so much comedy uh, in the, the mix. But I think that a horror comedy is a very distinctive product. Yeah. And it is separate from horror parody. Because I think what this kid was kind of like trying to grapple with is like, you know, how do you create something that you kind of know is going to be funny? But, but, you know, how do you differentiate between, um, you know, these these different styles? What if I want to write horror, but everybody keeps thinking that it's horror comedy? You know, and why do they think that it's horror comedy when I'm really just trying to write straight horror? And furthermore, where do we get to that? Where, when do we cross over the line of horror comedy to suddenly become a parody of horror? And then you've stepped into Sam Raimi territory. I, you know, is <laughs> I don't even. It's think, funny because I, I don't evil... even know how much I think of Sam Raimi as being parody of. I don't horror. think he's a parody. I think, I think I th- he's horror comedy for yeah. sure. I think he set out, I, but the first part of your question, I'm, I'm thinking that's the first name that popped in my head because I'm thinking he set out to write Evil Dead as this horror yeah, film, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was so under budget and so low budget. Bruce Campbell is so over the top. <laughs> he's so over the top. That he's like, I've got comedic gold it, here. It, it and almost they did becomes Evil a, Dead 2, mm-hmm. which then is basically really comedy. it up, right? Yeah. yeah. It, then it army very of, self-aware. Then Army of Darkness oh, comes in. and that's deeper in that hole. And Ash versus the Evil Dead mm-hmm. is just all yeah. over horror comedy. I think that it is 
I mean, for me, it horror reads parody as, for as me horror is, comedy. Yeah, exactly. Horror, horror parody comedy. for me is like the screen or the scary movie. I, that's exactly movies. where my mind went too. Was scary movie was uh, a scary great movie one and of, two? I think are, horror are parody hilarious. Yeah, and they were done by the Wayans brothers who know right. comedy. Well, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, they yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I I don't think they've aged well at all personally uh, but yeah. i do think that, that they exist as horror parody yeah absolutely so all right so so let's kind of start with this idea of of why are horror and comedy so closely related why why do they seem to be um uh, kind of two sides of the same coin if you will yeah um I don't know. I got my thoughts. Did you want to? Do you want me to answer? Or do you want to answer? I, I, I'm going to pose the question to you, and then oh, okay. I, I'm I'm going to follow up with what I think because I I've been stewing on this for like a week now. I yeah, I posted right before you got here to the studio on Twitter that we had been chewing this over for about a week. And yeah, this was going to be our next episode. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like. I don't know. I hate to be stealing your answer, but I like the way you summed it up, where they both kind of follow this idea of setup and punchline. Yeah, and. I, I want you to, to kind of grow on that, but um, there are similar kind of beats. I mean, the horror plays the setup and then the release of that, almost like springing a trap mm, for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a positive emotional effect. Whereas, or comedy, comedy, comedy does, does yeah, that. Yeah, comedy does horror that. Horror does it kind of on the opposite side, right? right? You know something is going to happen, and it pulls that that spring to get that trap loaded. Yeah. And then finally, it hits so it. it I, let's talk about that idea of the punchline, yeah. right? Like the punchline for different emotional effects, right? Yeah. Because I think so much of horror is about the ratcheting up of tension yep. with a sudden release of tension. Yep. And that release of tension can go one of two ways, right? It can be kind of the false start, like the false release of tension, yeah. which we see in a lot of movies. Right, it's like it's it's the the whole um, oh no, there's something in the closet. <laughs> it's just my neighbor's cat, yeah. right? That's kind of the false reliefs, and then there's the other kind of release, which is you know the build up, the ratcheting up of tension, and then you open the door and oh fuck, it's the murderer, and you're dead. Yeah, right. Yeah. Those two kind of opposite, <laughs> like polar polar extremes, kind of exist in horror. But yeah. horror, as a as a function, is all about that, like you say, kind of that loading the spring or, or pulling the tension. But of I would the spring. argue comedy does the same thing too. Comedy mm-hmm. loads that spring and they build up the tension, but the release, right. you know, and it's through, you know, um, you can think obviously of like stand up comedy, but I also think right. of like the Naked Gun movies where they deliver oh, yeah, this of kind course. of setup and <laughs> the, the release Everything, of that. Every, you know what you. <laughs> You want to learn how to write comedy. <laughs> Watch the Naked Gun movies. Oh, they're terrific. They're so freaking funny. And the reason they're so funny is because every scene is a setup for a joke. Yep. There is no character interaction that is not a setup for a joke. Yeah. There is not a line in any of those movies that is not the setup for a joke. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a visual gag, if it's an audio gag, it's always a setup for a joke. <laughs> I my mind is like flashing over naked gun like images. Just it, like, I, it, I I don't ever <laughs> let it go. It's never far from my mind. I love uh, in in um, Police Squad. Uh, <laughs> Stupid conversation about who, who shot first. Yeah, that was their own. 
It's the Laurel and Hardy joke, right? Yeah. Where the entire conversation is a punchline. Yeah. The entire conversation. It's just a continual series of setting up this joke. And they rattle it off so well <laughs> that, and that's, so it's the, deli- I mean, and it's, the delivery is yeah, great for yeah. sure. But but what I think of, you know, when we get to that that pop goes the weasel moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where you've been turning this crank oh, and I then all of a sudden things as a kid. <laughs> all of a sudden the clown jumps out, right? Like what is what is the effect of that? What what like what is the intended effect? Gave me a heart attack whenever I was a kid. Right. But why do we startle ourselves? And in the same way, you know, why do we startle ourselves and why do we laugh? What is the purpose of either one? I think they're both cathartic. Yes, that's the word I'm, I'm looking for is catharsis, right? I mean, what's safer than watching a horror film when you can turn on the lights afterward and know that that was just on screen or reading a horror novel mm-hmm. and just closing the book and being like, I'm done with it. It's on the screen. Yeah. I can walk away from it and I'm right. back in my safe little world as right. opposed to experiencing real life horror. And then right. for that same kind of emotional release, that's why we watch comedy. That's why we engage yes. with comedy, for that catharsis to you know, get us feeling something and moving and laughing. Absolutely. So I read this little piece uh, by Lily Sparks that was published earlier this year. I think it was on like crimereads.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the actual website. You would think I'd actually write down <laughs> <laughs> that name on the website. But Lily Sparks writes this um, this piece about horror and comedy. And she she talks about, you know, kind of these two um, these two uh, uh, kind of marriageable ideas that work for horror and comedy. She starts by saying that um, comedy or horror comedy works or both horror and comedy work um, on this marriage of elements of surprise and elements of subversion. Yep. Right. Surprise and subversion. Um, those are, are kind of the, the two tickets to um, writing out, you know, terror, uh, tension and building up to that moment of catharsis. Right. right. The, the moment of release of the tension, whether it be for a scare or for a laugh. Yeah. Right. She also talks about the marriage of two, uh, you know, further ideas, outrage and realism. Which I think is really interesting. interesting, right? And I think that what she means by outrage isn't just necessarily like the, you can't say that, you know, but I think it's the idea of like, that was so far beyond, right, where I thought it was going to be taken. Yeah. It's a step beyond where we're, we're aiming for. And I think that to me fits into some of what I've been saying about like horror and, and what is horror and what is comedy. I think it's all about the excess. Yeah. And I think outrage and excess in this sense are the same thing, right? It's taking it a, a step beyond where we think it's going to go. The gross out moment in a, a violent, uh, uh, slasher movie. Yeah. You know, um, if you're, if you're reading a book, you know, the, the, the moment of, crossroads when you just know but you don't want to know yeah that speaking that lady's gonna yeah speaking of laurel hightower the, that that lady's gonna do something to herself that she can't take back yeah. yeah you know that dread that sense of dread and then when we finally get it to it the outrage that it did go that far yeah right 
that's where I think our our horror really rests, you know. Yeah. And I think that's where comedy rests too, right? Going just a step further than maybe is uh, totally polite, <laughs> right? Um, and that marry that marries too. I think with this sense of realism. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that everything has to be believable in the sense of like, you know. There's a dude who's been living at the bottom of this lake who comes back out in a hockey mask, you know, and he's <laughs> he's there to kill a bunch of people. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's the realism we're talking about. Right. But when I think we talk about realism, what we mean is in a, a logical conclusion of the stakes, like, like a logical understanding of the stakes. We can suspend our disbelief in the thing that's happening what movie so long as the rules kind of work together. What movie were you and I watching Watching where the killer, like, steps on a guy's head and it looks like a piece of fruit? Like, like oh, a that rubber. was Halloween. Oh, was that, that Halloween? That was the Halloween remake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's laughable, yeah. right? Like, And I think this is where, you know, uh, some of um, horror comedy kind of comes in. There's there's two kinds of horror comedy. There's the intentional kind of horror comedy, yeah. where uh, like Barbarian, the, the most recent uh, horror movie that I saw, uh, Barbarian, which I think is a wonderful, uh, uh, I still have it. Unexpected that. joy for me uh, because the movie just does not do what you think it's gonna do. <laughs> It just zigs when you think it's going to zag, but it's also absolutely hilarious because it understands its marriage to this idea of excess, yeah. and it does not shy away from the excess, and it finds ways to transgress against the things that you think is, are going to happen, yeah. right? And that sense of realism is super important because when we talk about realism, it's not that... Oh, sure. Something lives in the basement and has been living there for a while, right? That's the premise of Barbarian. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I don't believe that anything's living in the basement like that for as long as it happens. That's not realistic. But I believe How in do they the get situ- takeout? Right. <laughs> does, does Grubhub just deliver at the basement? <laughs> I don't... You are the Grubhub. Same, same with Halloween ends. Right. right. How is Michael Myers living in the, the sewers right. for four years? Right. But it, but it, it plays Spoiler to certain alert. rules, right? <laughs> like what, what works about it is that, you know, as long as we can accept the situation yeah. and we are invested in the characters and the outcome for those characters, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we can accept the, the situation. We can accept the excess of the situation. We can find the humor in this excess yeah. because, of course, it's presented to us in, in a way that I think, you know, kind of plays with a lot of our, our expectations, subverts some expectations, really pays off in other senses. I think, too, about a particular scene in Hereditary mm. that um, breaks the immersion for you. Yes. And I don't necessarily know that it's it's unintentional. Like I, I, I feel like some of it, uh, some of the humor is intended because yeah. it's so bizarre. But it does feel out of do you place. Think that, yeah. Do you think that scene was like an intentional? Because I'm like the only it, person in the theater that laughed. I think it it probably is more intentional 
um, than than it, it was unintentional. But it's I do think that it's a, a, a kind of a people are going to be wondering what scene we're talking about. Now. It's okay. It's I mean it doesn't help. That I, I was, you know what? No, I think that if you if we're talking about Hereditary and we're talking about the scene, the scene in Hereditary that really is just like I the, the fuck only, just happened. <laughs> I am the only person in the now it doesn't you it doesn't help that I, it, it doesn't help that I was also stoned when Trevor <laughs> went to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> this, this, this scene happens, and I bust out laughing, and I hear audibly somebody else in the audience go, is somebody laughing at that? And I'm just like, how okay. is nobody else laughing that, at that this? That happened to me, too, when I went to see, I went to see Sorry to Bother. We went to see Sorry yeah, to Bother yeah. you both. And as soon as the movie started and the first scene came on, I just, I laughed. <laughs> and I did not stop laughing through the whole rest of that That's movie. Another, I would call that a horror comedy. Definitely. It is a horror comedy. <laughs> it absolutely is a horror comedy. But but there was a lady next to me. She was like, how are you finding any of this funny? And I'm like, how are you not? Are we not watching the same fucking movie? It's super obvious what this is trying to do. How are you this bad at reading a movie? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, but I, I think that... Um, you know, like in that situation when we're talking about the the scene in her the, the scene in hereditary, uh, I think that what what makes that like not quite sit right is that the whole rest of the movie is very self serious about yeah. um, the stakes. It's very self serious about the, the situation and what's going on. The horror is very focused. It, it it delivers a certain kind of tonal quality, and then all of a sudden in the middle of the movie. It's it's just it's fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, it just comes exactly. out of nowhere, and and that breaks some of that immersion. It breaks some of that realism, some of the trust that we've invested in the vision of this world, right? Because we're told one tone, and then all of a sudden, it's a completely separate tone for that instance. And then from the rest of that moment forward, there are a couple of other total incidents, you know, yeah. like total incidents that I think kind of undercut some of the mood there. <laughs> You know, I just realized, uh, never mind, uh, we can talk about it after because I'm thinking about that scene and then I'm thinking about something that played out later in that movie. In the, the dinner. <laughs> not just the dinner, but it cuts like, it cuts later, like it's obviously been several days. And I feel like, should we just spoil this fucking movie at this point? Yeah, so the the girl is right, the scene the, he's talking about. The scene about, I'm talking about is the, the, they're at this party and the the, the daughter's not having brought, a great time. She's not having a great time. The brother brought her with him because he's he's you know trying to just do his high school it, thing. Yeah, well, and also to try <clears throat> to get her away from her sappy mom. Yeah, because her mom's having a hard time after the death of her, her mother, who she wasn't even close to. Right. If I already, yeah. yeah. So I feel like the daughter ate something, right? That and went into like it was like a pop shop. brownie, yeah, or, or yeah, or something like yeah. So and he's rushing her home, and she <laughs> she leans out the window to puke or something, and a, a fucking telephone pole takes her head off, like clean off, just straight up, just whacks it off, like it's yeah, like it's fucking you're you're hitting a mailbox with a baseball bat. And so I went on this tirade about how that would not actually happen in this movie about like ghosts and stuff, and I'm like. <laughs> But it's grounded in realism, and that was fucking Looney Tunes. Right, like, and, then, and then Tony Collette at the dinner later, she's like, uh, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> something, something. And then my, my daughter's head's falling off, <laughs> but my mom's dead, you know, like, I can't make this fucking dinner, or, you know, yeah. something like that. Like, her outburst was really funny, but, <laughs> yeah. but again, I'm, I'm like, is this... 
like like what is the tonal quality you're going for here? <laughs> yeah, it, and then but I think that what I just started thinking about too is like days go by. And then it, there's like a, the camera pans back to that scene in the road, and the kid's head still laying there, and like the, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like how long would that head actually be laying in the yeah, road? Yeah, you're telling like, me <laughs> that the police didn't find her fucking head on the side of the road? It's just sitting there decaying the whole time. Come on. Oh, and people wonder why I had issues with this film. <laughs> but so I, you know, mm-hmm. I think of some other instances in which like the realism just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, think about um uh, uh, to to point out a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, Slender. Yeah. That's a piece of shit movie. Oh, I hated and that it's movie. It's because, you know, again, I, I you can't believe in any of the stakes. We were older than all of the other preteens. Oh, that's very that true. Like, but even the preteens thought it sucked. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Slender, I, I you know, it's it's a movie that has difficulty trying to even figure out what its own stakes are. <laughs> you know, and there's so much tra- inconsistency. It's a movie trying to figure out what its own characters' names are because we don't get those until <laughs> like halfway through. I was through. gonna say, I don't even remember them having names, and then and then like toward the end of the movie or something, they say it. Now, like, oh yeah, that's that's her name. That's right. Or they they also like mention somebody's dead, and I'm like looking at you like, who the fuck was that? Yeah, who like, died? Who, who died? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we worried about now? It's like, narratively unclear. That would be an intentional horror comedy. <laughs> Very I don't think it's an intentional horror. No, I think that's an unintentional. Yeah, that's what I said, unintentional. Oh, yeah. 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 I. Oh, I thought you said an intentional comedy. No, it was just, just my southern yeah, stutter. I just, uh, yeah, yeah, misunderstood. I just, yeah, I ran everything together. The Arkansas drawl. Yeah. So, yeah. another bad movie we watched was... The, <laughs> it was no, Slander. <laughs> slander. <laughs> what was up with that gate in the middle of nowhere? Fucking <laughs> 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 contractors didn't finish their work. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so, these are examples of, like, yeah. when the realism is off or when the realism yeah. is wrong. <clears throat> and when, you know, you... You can end up with an unintentional horror comedy, um, but but you know that that's kind of something separate. So how then do we kind of differentiate the horror comedy? You know this this like engagement of excess, yeah. um, both like with humor and outrage. Um, how do we you know kind of dif- like differentiate that from the horror parody? So I know earlier I mentioned the scary movie movies and both I think parodies and horror comedies are going to play towards that comedic kind of, they're going to lean, want that kind of visceral kind of reaction. Sure. Sure. It's, it's about the joke. It is about the joke, but the, the parody, the horror parody, like those scary movies, they're playing with specific tropes that they know you're going to recognize from a previous film and spinning it for comedic effect. Right. One of, and I know there's issues with like James Woods, but one of my favorite opening scenes is that Exorcist. I still like it. I know there's problems with those movies and they haven't aged well, but I just like his portrayal of the priest, like as th- this parody of the Exorcist at mm-hmm. the beginning of Scary Movie Two, and and just, I mean, he's playing it like everyone thinks about Catholic priests, like they're these like pedophiles. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. He comes in, and that's how he's playing it, and he's trying to, like, exercise this girl's demon, and, and they're, they're just, like, reciting all these different jokes that are just coming off. And, and right. It seems to me that the parody, and go with me on this trip, yeah, yeah. This, this exploration here, seems to me that the parody is not necessarily about um, the reproduction of horror so right. much as it is about the reproduction of horror tropes right 
ex- it like exaggerated to the extreme to draw attention to the stupidity of the trope itself. So here's something meta for you, right? Okay, yeah. Um, the original title of Scream was uh-huh. Scary Movie. And the purpose, I think, I, I, I could almost make the argument that not bending towards comedy, Scream is one of those movies that is a horror parody because they play with those That's fascinating. Tropes, but they do it to bend those tropes on their ear and then still produce something terrifying. I mean, it it is a meta horror. Yeah, right? It's a meta, meta slasher or slasher. And I think any meta slasher to an to a certain extent is going to be par- like s- somewhat parody. Yeah. Uh, because again, it's 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 all about taking those tropes. It's all about examining those tropes or or putting like pulling those uh, tropes to the extreme. Yeah. It just so happens that Scream also works as a meta slasher, as a meta horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's, you know, it's uh, a horror movie about horror, right? Yep. Right? Like, it's a, it, it both adheres to the tropes of horror as it is drawing attention to the ridiculousness of the tropes of horror. Yeah. And then Scary Movie, the first one at least, the rest are, like, pretty shitty after that. But the first one goes even more meta and that it's playing off those tropes that Scream has oh, set yeah. up. Yeah, that's right. They, double double down they, on it. They definitely have a, a, a whole <laughs> Scream uh, trope parody in there, too. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. I think, too, about, you know, some of the ways in which some of these films actually become parodies of themselves, uh, whether yeah. intentionally or not. You know, I think of, like, Jason X. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the... Any of those 80s a slasher par- films. parody of itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it seems uh, to be, you know, kind of taking, um, it, taking the horror just and and the horror tropes within a purpose of drawing our attention to the artifice yep. of those tropes. Yep. So, to this this strange kid who came to your <laughs> panel and posed that question, if you're still out there, Johnny, or whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, it, because his concern was like, how do I know when I've gone too far? I think it comes down to what is it that you are uh, you are doing, right? Are you incorporating tropes uh, or, or are you incorporating, you know, these exaggerated elements that do happen to be comedic? You know, yeah. is that your are you doing that intentionally? You know, are you doing that? um with the purpose of drawing attention to the artifice yeah. or are you doing that as a part of of kind of the core component of your uh uh your your uh, you know call it your narrative or, or you know whatever it is uh, your narrative mission like what is it that you're actually doing because if if you're doing the one thing it's parody if you're doing the other thing i think it's horror comedy yeah i think so and i i think too if you're worried about your horror story being received as horror comedy, look at at the quote unquote realism of your story. Yeah. And I don't mean that it has to be realistic. Yeah. But I do think that you need to think about does this break the immersion of the kind of rules for my story that I've set up yeah. through this, you know, this process has the event that I've incorporated. Have I treated it in such a way that it breaks 
with that uh, kind of understanding of the the rules of my story or the rules of my narrative, the rules of my characters. Uh, and if it breaks with those your rules, kids and heads inexplicably falling off. Then, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Was that intentional or not? Yeah. Um, no, I I totally agree. I I also think of another movie series that kind of straddles this line or crosses it. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I'm not as familiar enough with the series to know if it's intentional or not. Is those are those Final Destination movies? Oh no, those are jokes. With uh, oh, the their hands down, they're absolutely <laughs> comedic, absolutely comedic. I mean, and, and and I you know I'll go on record because I've seen all five of those stupid <laughs> fucking movies. I love them. I I like un, unapologetically. I we I were watching part two the other day and I was busting out laughing. Oh uh, no, at it's everything. so fucking funny. It really is funny. <laughs> I love the. I think I think the end of of Final Destination two is my favorite ending to the, any horror movie. That ever. is the uh, the the gas. The That's what. Yeah, gas. the kid the kid is going to the barbecue. He's like, I'm gonna go check on the ribs or whatever, and he goes off and it, and and <laughs> and it explodes, and then his arm falls on the fucking picnic bench. It's yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah. It's so. It's it's like chef's kiss. Good. Um, I love those movies i think the fourth movie is the worst fucking movie i've ever seen in my life uh and and that's including thanks killing too no nothing beats that nothing beats that and it's like that and moonfall are the two movies i knew he'd bring moonfall you want to talk about you want to talk about fucking like breaking your rules for realism breaking your immersion here fucking moonfall does that all think, the time. I think any Roland Emmerich movie like I mean, qualifies. It's for... clear. It's clear that he's trying to make it like comedic, but he's trying too hard. Yeah, he just tries too hard. Well, he doesn't have the it's the tone lining up oh with the God, the tone doesn't movie. line up with the the like he, everything is so self serious, and then he has these like. But then he like, has ridiculous... these moments that are just utter idiocy. Yeah. How so, are we gonna get this <laughs> fucking spaceship into the air? Oh well, you know, you uh, really we only need three people, just somebody to push the button. <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? Didn't he also do the asteroid one with Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis as Probably. oil drillers in Who space? The fuck knows. Probably. <laughs> what was that? Space Cowboys. I don't. Or Deep Impact. No, that's no, the porn deep, version. <laughs> no, <laughs> Deep Impact is a real. That's, that's the one with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that is. That is. Armageddon was Armageddon. Name. Armageddon, one, that one was of it. His? Yeah, Armageddon. Oh my god, that was it. No, that was Michael Bay. Oh, Michael Bay. Michael, well, he, oh, well, he's sure. one grounded in realism oh, there too. Yeah. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Fuck, he's ruined the Transformers. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying it. Michael Bay has ruined the Transformers for me more than that 1984 Transformers movie ruined the Transformers for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hip enough to the Transformers to even know. <sighs> We'll have this conversation off off here. Um, <laughs> they the Transformers like in the eighties. Why, why are we talking about Transformers? Right I now? just I don't know. In the eighties, like nobody could hit anything when they shot at stuff. So <laughs> like yeah, the you're not allowed to show kids violence like that. In the A team, they couldn't hit anything, and then. <laughs> 
on the Transformers, they'd shoot at each other all the time, and they couldn't hit anything until the movie came out, and then they're like shooting each other and like killing each other. Okay, and... you want to know something really, really fucking funny? What? All right, so when the Spider-Man cartoon came out in the '90s, there was like this rule for Spider-Man, right? These rules for Spider-Man. Number one, nobody could have guns. So what they they got around that by like it's an energy pistol. <laughs> so none of their guns shoot bullets. They all shoot lasers. That was rule number one. Rule number two, Spider-Man can't punch people. <laughs> How do you have a Spider-Man show where Spider-Man never punches anybody? <laughs> so, so, so watch that show. It's always him like f- like figuring out how to solve the problem without ever punching a single person. It's so bizarre. I remember liking that as a kid, too. Yeah, another rule, <laughs> another bizarre rule that Fox laid down. Spider-Man can't scare pigeons when he's doing his Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> why, is, why is that a rule? <laughs> you got to protect those pigeons. Don't scare those, those endangered pigeons. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, so those are a lot of, of examples in movies. Were we able to think of some examples in books that were kind of yeah, horror, man, horror comedy? Yeah, man, horror comedy. Brian McCauley yeah. with uh, Curse of the Reaper. I think it, it's great. It, it definitely slips into uh, horror comedy a little bit toward the end of the book. Um, and I think that his cha- the chapters in between are really, really funny. Yeah. Um, but I think Brian really just fundamentally understands the language of horror and the language of comedy. Yeah. You know, he's written some comedy before. He's written uh, some, some thrillers. Um, and uh, I think some stuff that ventures on horror, although, uh, you know, your, your, your definition is going to change from person to person. Sure. Um, but I think Curse of the Reaper is a great example of, you know, some, some horror comedy. I think Grady Hendrix is a perfect example. Um, I mean, look at any of his books, but Horror Store ex- especially. I was going to say the book of his that I've read so far... Um it understood the tropes that it was playing oh, with yeah. the Southern Book Club. Totally does. And the name itself kind of lends itself, the Southern Book Guide uh, yeah. Club Guides to Slaying Vampires. In a way, it almost but ventures on horror parody. A bit, but but it, it, he doesn't lean for the comedic effect too much right. in that. I mean, it he still plays, plays for scares. Yeah. In Horror Store, it's about a uh, an Ikea that goes to hell. Yeah. And, and uh, so the, the book is even, itself is... Uh, almost a send-up of an Ikea catalog. Um, And it's written with different chapters of these nefarious devices from Ikea. (laughs) Um, It's really funny, and I I think it's one that definitely skirts the line between parody and humor. Um, But it's definitely, you know, I would would definitely call it, you know, some horror comedy. Yeah. I think too. There's there's a new book that just came out called uh, Patricia Wants to Cuddle. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's about some uh, some ladies that that uh, are on like a Survivor style show, and then they show up on an island and are assaulted by a Bigfoot. Alrighty. Um, definitely some some horror <laughs> comedy in there. You know, it's yeah. uh, these these books kind of skirt the line. But what I think what what works so well about them is that we kind of understand the tone going in. Yeah, right. It's very clear that you know they're trying to establish for us um, these these rules. You know, yeah. whereas like I think uh, Almakatsu is very consistent in like this is horror, this is scary. There's yeah. not humor here, right? 
we're not playing it for laughs. Yeah. Um, I think there are these other writers that, that come in and say, like, all right, it's we're, we're, we're setting a tone very consistently from the beginning. Yeah. Whether it be Grady Hendrix's, um, all of his chapter titles are uh, songs from the 80s in My Best Friend's Exorcism. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like Brian McCauley, who weaves that that humor in uh, little by little um, with the character dialogue from the Reaper or those uh, those little um, snippets of the the screenplay that he weaves into his book. Right. He sets a very consistent tone for us um, that this is supposed to kind of be funny. I haven't totally finished um, the Paul Bears Club by Paul Tremblay. Sure, but because I've had you know a few things to do, like you know run a publishing house, and, like like and get an like anthology put out, out. <laughs> Tales of Slay House twenty twenty two. But from what I can tell so far, he weaves in some a bit of horror comedy, a bit of comedy into this. Sure, and so and, and comedic. I think it is important to note the difference between uh, like horror comedy and horror with comedic. Exactly. Release. Yeah. You know, he's not doing a, just comedic, comedic release. Relief. He does have or comic relief. He he does have. This is more of like a horror comedy kind of the interaction. Sure. He's got this story that this it's supposed to be a, it's a fictional, but it's a, supposed to be a memoir from sure. this guy who started. He needed a um, a he needed some more social credits, some like um, some like credits of working. You know, like everything. Every every time people graduate, like they're about to graduate from high school. And they're trying to get into college, and so they've got the grades, but they might need, like, some, uh, you know, interactions, like community interactions or something. Sure, yeah, you know, community so, service. Yeah, and show some, some participation in clubs and stuff. So he gets this bright idea that he's going to start the Paul Bears Club, and that's they go to these <laughs> funerals where people didn't have anybody. Ah, uh, yeah. And they act as pallbearers for these people who didn't right, died right, right. kind of alone. And through that, he's meeting this other character who calls herself Mercy Brown, I think. Uh-huh. And she's supposed to be the, uh, well, she's playing off like she's the New England vampire, the real-life right. historical vampire that existed in, in Rhode Island, was it? I, I have no idea. <clears throat> News to me. Um, but uh, she's got a hold of his manuscript, and so you can see her markings in red, and she's, like, underlining and scratching out stuff and, like, are you serious here, or what name did you give me? And they're kind of communicating back and forth as he's writing this memoir. And it definitely has a comedy feel to it, but mm-hmm. I think the ultimate goal is still going to be to play this as as, as kind of, uh, like, more straight horror. Yeah. yeah. So, to me, that would be, I guess, a horror comedy. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's a good example. Um, another example I had was Daniel Krause. Yeah. Um, Daniel Krause with... Uh, um, the ghost that ate us, yeah, um, which is um, a kind of document. It's it's served up like like it's nonfiction um, about this burger joint in Iowa that uh, became haunted. And, and don't get me wrong; it becomes increasingly more and more menacing um, as the book goes along. But there's a lot of humor and a lot of. Um, I, I mean, the, the whole notion of of. Uh, a documentary about a burger joint that was haunted um, is kind of funny. And, and he plays that balance, I think, really well. Delivering on the horror when it's time for the horror, delivering on the comedy when it's time for the comedy. And I think that's something you just started to touch on as we kind of and we kind of glossed over it. But there is absolutely, in fact, it's needed, nothing wrong with 
comedy elements within a straight horror story. Absolutely. In fact, to help measure the tension, adding yes. in some comedy into mm-hmm. it can, and comic relief can help dial yeah. it back a little bit so that it makes well, the impact a little and more. And when we talk about that catharsis, right, yeah. I think there is a different kind of catharsis from just being beat over the head with scary and the kind of catharsis that you get from a good laugh. Yeah. 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 And comedy does the same thing. They present some horror elements in certain comedies. Sure. Um, that that are are that extreme kind of like it, it, right. It's, level. it's about it's, the excess. It is about yeah. the excess. Yeah. yeah. Like when uh, spoiler alert for Naked Gun, when Ricardo Montalban's <laughs> character falls to his death at the end, <laughs> and then gets steamrolled, and then stepped over the marching band, and then like and then like a circus comes by or something with elephants, <laughs> and it's like they just keep pounding him into the ground. <laughs> it's so exaggerated. <laughs> it's it's like. I mean, and, and that the I moral mean, of the story is just go watch Naked Gun because that yeah, movie yeah. is unassailable. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure there are a couple of jokes that haven't haven't the uh, chalk outline in the water of the. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I absolutely love it. Oh my god, uh, go watch Naked Gun. It's so funny. Um, so yeah, so I think I think there's. I think there's a stronger marriage between these two genres than yeah, people yeah, yeah. even probably realize. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is probably not the last time I want to bring up, uh, you know, a marriage between genres, um, the way that these, you know, certain genres are related. I really think horror has a whole lot to do with, uh, or, or a whole lot more in common with romance. Yeah. Um, then, then a lot of people will give it credit for. Well, I was going to say this isn't the first time we brought it up either. We did have S. A. Barnes on talking about her sci-fi horror novel. Yeah, right. And, and there are other things, you know, science fiction and horror marry very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that horror can can marry very well to to a lot of stuff. Horror is um, just a big slut can marry with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you slutty, <laughs> you <horror>. slutty whore! <laughs> Halloween knows this to be true. <laughs> all, <Yeah. laughs> the, all the costuming, um, yeah. So anyway, th- 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 this was just something on my mind uh, since since that that question at the panel was posed. So I think we can do our little wind up here. Uh, what's what's on the horizon for us, Jeremy? Halloween is going to see the release of Tales of Slay House 2022. We've got oh, a lot of great man. stories. And in it, you get to see the portraits of the Slay siblings. Slay siblings are here. They are here. And uh, they each have little comments about the about the stories. And I think they're pretty interesting ideas. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> That was like a total bleh. Uh, we've got radio dramas also for Halloween. We've got Telethon coming out. Telethon's coming um, out, yeah. We had a great time working with, with Telethon. I didn't discuss this with you, but I want to release it as a special Halloween episode. Like, you know, if, I think if, it needs uh, to be. if we can uh, get just just over the finish line. Yep. If we can get over the finish line, yeah. Well, I keep telling Curtis I want to release it on Halloween, so hopefully... We're, we're, I mean, there. we're so close, we're so to, close to getting it finished and, and all polished <clears throat> up. Uh, it was such a blast to do, though. Um, but so so much fun to, to read, to talk about. I mean, we have not ta- stopped talking about Telethon since we bought it. Yeah. And that was back in, like, February, yeah. you know, when, when we bought it and then started kind of putting the pieces together to be able to produce it. Yeah. Um, it has been just so fun to read, so fun to explore, so fun to perform. I mean, yep. I know, 
I know on my part, I had such a blast <laughs> getting into character uh, for Telethon. It was so fun. I'm excited about it. We've got, you know, of course, we've got our books out. We have uh, A Mindful of Scorpions, Ground Control. Yeah. Uh, Mindful of Scorpions by J.R. Billingsley, Ground Control by K.A. Huff. Mel Pomini's Garden by Curtis, Curtis Harrell. Uh, Bad Form by Joe, Joe Taylor. Taylor. Of course, this will be the second anthology for Tales of Slayhouse yeah, coming out this 2021. Halloween. 2021, you can still get it. Tales of Slayhouse 2022 is I don't understand this idea. I mean, we're, we're never we're never going to take it out of c- circulation, no. but totally, you know, get, <clears throat> man, get these books, get these anthologies. If you're into, you know, quirky little uh, anthologies, we're we're a lot of fun, and yep. we've got. Some great stories, some great, great stories, both last year and this year. Uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna. You can get them in print or in ebook. Yeah, um, you're not gonna regret getting these books. They're mm-mm. fun. We've got uh, at least two more, maybe three more titles coming out next yeah, year. Yeah, two more novels on the way for um, sure. At for a minimum, sure. we've got two more novels after the new year. Yep, and uh, and we've got. You know, we've got some. We got radio author, dramas coming yeah, up. Yeah, we got some author interviews on the horizon. We got author horizon. interviews coming up for the podcast. Don't uh, go away. Keep supporting us by listening and share with your friends. And in the next, that you like this show? Yeah, absolutely. And in the next uh, week, coming weeks, we have a series on craft coming up. For people That's who right. We are starting our craft, craft series. We haven't uh, <clears throat> completely abandoned uh, the Universal Monsters series. We've got uh, maybe two episodes left oh, yeah, on do, that series. Um, but uh, we wanted to, to talk craft. We, yeah. we and This let me has tell been you something folks, we've been working on for a bit. We're full of craft. <laughs> we're full <laughs> <laughs> Our craft stuff smells nice. <laughs> it certainly does in this podcast booth. All right. Um, hey, this is Ben Slayhouse presents. Until next time, we'll see you guys ne- later. I, I, fuck, I that was weird. That. Let's do that again. Hey, uh, hey, everybody. This is Ben Slayhouse presents. Bye. <laughs>